this. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes 7. I appreciate being here. This is a, a, a good text this morning. Uh, last week we spent time on two verses, mainly on one verse. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death and the day of one's birth. Um, we said it contained two tools that God uses in our lives that to help us make wise or at least better decisions. Those two tools are shame and death. Shame is a tool to stop us from doing things that we should be ashamed for, you know, be ashamed of. You know, that, that we should say, I don't want anybody to know that. I don't want anybody to know that I would think that way or behave that way or say those things or go to that place. And so it's a great tool to use that God's given us to keep us on the straight and narrow, to help us to go down the way we ought to go, you know, that, to, to, to help us to avoid stupid things. Death is a tool to help us. Not to do things that will kill us, you know, to do sensible things, to keep us smart. You know, the fear of death is a useful tool. It helps me from doing stupid things. I'll consider, will that kill me? That's one of the first things I do. I will never get on one of those bungee things that pulls down and they put you in a little cube and then launch you up. No, no, I got enough sense that the fear of death, I will not do it. I've watched too many of them where one of the cables break or flings around or somebody passes out and they're slipping through the thing like, uh, no, you know, so I got enough common sense for that. I don't get too close to a very uh, edge of a very steep place. I don't want to fall. I don't want to underneath that ledge. I don't want to go. You know, I have common sense that God gives me the fear of death, guards and keep me. I look both ways before I cross the street. You know, I, I, there's a lot of things that that help me out. Sometimes I forget, and sometimes I'm slacking in that. But the fear of death does motivate me to make wise and smart decisions. You know, should I beat the train or should I sit and wait? You know, I'm going to sit and wait. You know, because I'm going to be cautious in that way. So, self preservation is innate in us, and God says it's a tool that He gives us of wisdom to help us on how to live. And so, we looked at shame mostly last like week, last week, and, and not completely. Except there's much more that could be said, but I'll let you meditate on it on your own and how that's such a good tool. Um, but I want to kind of build on this second verse this week. Uh, verse 2 says, It is better to go into the house of mourning than to go into the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to heart. Um, we'll go up to verse 4 today, but I'm going to kind of take them one at a time. And this is another one of those times when God's timing is perfect. To have the topic of death come into our text on Memorial Day is, is, a, is pretty fitting, I believe. Memorial Day is a day when our nation sets aside to uh, remember those who have died serving our country. Some died uh, while protecting our country. Some died in protecting others and uh, ensuring their freedom. Some were fighting for our freedoms, to, to give us what we have. You know, if we go all the way back to the birth of our nation, and some fought to keep our nation together, and some fought to secede. You know, we've had a lot that have gone on. We live in a day and age when we think that that would never happen here and that that's never happened here, but it has happened here. We've had war on our soil. We've had battles that we fought over. And they fought for our freedom of religion. That we have the ability to, to gather and to talk about Jesus Christ, or to read his word, and, and, to, and to have the individual liberty and in, in, in that we can do that. The right to bear arms is one that they kept, to protect ourselves. To be able to defend ourselves against tyranny, you know, that they've ensured that right for us. The right to privacy and security from search and seizures, they fought for that so that we could have freedom to move about our country without having a fear of someone just saying, hey, who are you, what are you doing, ask for the paper, unless we're violating the law. You know, we're, we're, we have the ability to do that, to, to roam around, We're supposed to. And that's the first, second, 
and I think the Fourth Amendment, and all three of those are violently under attack in our nation today. Men and women died to give us those rights. They died protecting those rights. And there's a push in our education system, in the media, and throughout politics to remove those rights, to strip them from us that were men died for, men and women died for, families gave up everyone for, for what makes us America, the one that people want to flood into, the one that people want to come to because of what we have or because some of these basic principles. That's why it makes it desirable. And we want to strip those away or we want to just casually sit by as they are stolen from us? We shouldn't. So it's a good day to remember people died for this. We're to fight for it. We're not to let them just come and take it. No. We're to say, come and take it. We're, we're, we're to, to defend those things because many have defended them before. Our nation sets aside to remember the lives that were lost to make sure that we remember our freedoms and that freedoms cost lives, cost people, cost families. And so it is something not to be taken lightly. That's why it's set aside so that we will remember the cost that was there and the price of what our freedom is and not take it lightly. Yet, on this day where we're to set aside and we are to remember and we're to take time and think about those who gave their lives for us, as I think about Revolutionary War soldiers, as I think about World War I, World War II, you know, Korean War, Vietnam War, you know, the Gulfs and the Persian Gulf and, and Iraq and Iraqi freedom and all these other ones and ones that I even, can't even remember, you know, they're there that we've, we've been in and, and men and women and boys giving their lives and we set aside one day and we busy it up and we mask its meaning. Meaning, We rip another tool away from God that he could use to help us in our decision making, to draw us towards him, to make a reasonable decision about life and death. I don't know if we did a man on the street thing in downtown Indianapolis this morning. You'd ask him what Memorial Day is. I bet you they'd say it's the race. Hey, it's time to get together. Party in the pit. Beer. What's Memorial Day to your Beer. Sunshine, it's a beautiful day. We're going to be outside. We're going to enjoy it up. Which is fine, cookouts. Some people think of that, and that, that, that is there, and that's part of it, to get together, gatherings, party. Beginning of summer, pool opens. Pool opens, you know, school's out. You know, all those things are there. But those don't really help us remember. You know, we're, we're to take time to remember. Those are more of the feasting that the verse talks about. And if you're at this feasting where you're having fun times and doing all that, and those things are fine in the right place in the right proper time, but unless something goes horribly wrong at one of those festivals or festive times, you don't think about death. It's not brought up much unless it's like, where's Aunt Gertrude? And Oh, remember this year, you know, she passed away or she's sick and dying, and you might think about it for a second. But Solomon says we should think about it. Verse 2, it is better to go into the house of mourning than to go into the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Lay it to heart. That means take it serious. That we'll think long and hard about it, that we're going to die. When do you face death head on? The house of mourning, generally, right? In the average day, you know, maybe there might be a time when someone's texting, they drift into your lane, and at the last minute you miss each other and you go on, and you think about death for like the next, you know, five miles, <gasps> about dying, you know, and then and you like, thank you, I get on by with it. But most of the time we don't really sit and meditate and think on death. Now, 
Church is a little bit of an exception. We do talk about it. We do prepare for it. And that makes us different than most of the, the people in the world. But most people generally in their lives, when they're going to stop and meditate and think about death, it's going to be a funeral, house of mourning. That's where a casket is. You know, it's not a place we want to go to. It's not a thing that we like to do. It's not something like, ooh, you don't want to do today? Let's go to a mortuary. Let's go pick out a casket. We don't, we don't look forward to that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to go to a place where there's tears, where there's sadness, where there's tragedy. We, we avoid that. Celebrations are life are great. You know, to, to have it in that way and to celebrate lives and remember who they are, that is good. You know, that is part of the wake afterwards, the, who they were and what they were doing. But God should be invoked. Warning should be given. You should sit and look and see your future place. That's why I think the Bible, one of the reasons why the Bible talks about burial, honoring the body that way. When we sit and look on it, you know, cremation is cheaper, affordable, generally pagan. You know, I'm not saying that all is that way. I think God can work in anything. But there's something about <clears throat> causing family and friends to consider, to sit and look. And to say, that's going to be me. And to go through all that. And if it's just an urn or some pictures. That, that's, as a pastor, I can tell you, that they, they preach different. You know, it should be a warning given to them. That this will be you one day. Consider your end. This is it. This is the house of mourning. Are you ready? Are you prepared for that day? Should be stated at a funeral. The day of death, when it comes and its arms are open and it takes you, will you be ready? Will you prepare for what happens afterwards? Where you will you go? Those questions should be asked while you're alive, while death is far away. In the house of mourning. In the house of mourning, it's somber. It's a place where it's quiet. Where you remember that death is the enemy. And how much you don't like him. And how wrong it is. And how you consider that we are living under a curse. And that this is not right. Man, there's a battle going on. It helps bring all those things to the surface that we otherwise busy away and we forget about. See, at a funeral you remember that that is the end of all men. And that means you. That one day it won't be the other guy. That one day it won't be the stranger. That one day it won't be a statistic in some distant place that happened in somewhere. One day it'll be you. Your life will end. You will close your eyes. You will take your last breath. Your heart will stop. And your life will stop. Here. Your heart will cease. And we're to take time to think about that. That that is a real fact. That one day we'll close our eyes in this life and we'll open them up in the next where would that be? Are you ready? It's not present to think about. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. It makes people uncomfortable, that's for sure. You want to get people fidgety, start talking about that. You know, grabbing the pew and, and wiggling their hands and trying to find any other way to get away from you. Start talking about death. But it's a real fact. A real hard fact. And now is the time to think about it. While death is away. Now while you're safe. While death isn't standing over you, just waiting pulling at you. Do it now while you have your sanity, while you have your mind to think about it. You have all your faculties. Because we don't know how our death will be. You know, if it's going to be slow and quiet and peaceful and you have a week in the hospital, we don't know that. We don't guarantee that. It could be violent and sudden. This could be like that in an instant. 
Uh, the movie last night kind of showed that. It's like everything was going along. People driving, doing all kinds of things. All of a sudden, pile up after pile up. And, oh, we'd avoided a tragedy. Semi hits the back of you. And this happens all the time. We don't know. It says here that men should lay it to heart. You should think about it. In the house of feasting, they don't think about it. <laughs> that, that, that's the last thing that they're thinking about. They are what? Living it up. They are going for it. You know, they're, they're pushing to the edge of the envelope. It's not somber. It's not serious. There's no reflection going on. It's frivolous. You know, that's what they talk about. Festivity. It's frivolous. It's, it's fun. Uh, verse 3 says, Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. Sorrow is better than laughter. Now, again, this is Solomon kind of taking it to an extreme, but he, he's kind of bringing a point here as he's talking about this, this topic here. Of like, which one's more beneficial? Which one's going to help you in the long run? Which one's going to help you make better decisions? He says here, you know, sorrow is better than laughter. One... Sorrow, you know, tears, cleanses the eyes. You know, tears are beneficial. You know, if your eyes are watering, you get dust and dirt out. That, that's good. You know, that, that's helpful. But it also relieves stress. They say medically, you know, that, that you can, if you cry, it relieves stress. And the stress of an uncommon, uh, like, can cause a heart attack, especially in an intense situation. If you're holding all that in and the stress is building up, the tears can release that or you can have a heart attack and die. It was a tragic story. Was it uh, Tim and Angel's family that the... Our friends that they had from camp where a lady got sick and really, really sick, and then the mom was so stressed over it, she had a heart attack and died, even though the girls skipped death. I mean, it was just like one thing brought on kind of another in that way. I'm not saying it was necessarily stressed in that way, but you can see a stressful situation, stressful in the family. Somebody died from it in, in that way, so it does, but tears help. It also lowers blood pressure, lowers the pulse rate. It helps you to deal with and cope with what is going on. Uh, tears remove toxins that are in the body. Uh, one of them is magnesium, manganese, and manganese is a mineral that affects your mood, it affects aggression, it helps against, uh, if you get rid of it, it helps you uh, deal with anxiety, irritability, uh, like I said, and even aggression, you know, it, it calms the situation down, you know, it, it, I guess it, uh, and the guy, it takes all the macho out, you know, it's kind of like hard to be aggressive if you're standing there crying in that way, it softens you in that way, and that's a good place to be sometimes, it's the kind of healthy release that God has given us in that way to help us deal with these things. Solomon says, consider that. Think about that. Verse 4 says, The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. You are wiser and making better decisions. You are planning your life better, making better life goals while you are mourning. When you're sitting at a funeral, you're thinking about more serious things that you really need to address than when you're at a party. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm going to sleep in tomorrow if you're at the party. Versus at a, at a funeral, you're, you're thinking about everything else. I'm going to eat healthier from now on. I'm never going to let myself get in that state, you know, as, as you consider the person. I am going to begin to exercise more. We're walking every day, right, as you get in the car with your wife and, you're, and you drive along. We're, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. You start making life decisions that should help you in that way. I'm going to wear my seatbelt. Are you buckled up? Everybody buckle up, you know, because it saves lives, and, and you're going to consider that. You know, I'm going to look both ways. I'm going to make sure I look both ways. I'm not going to be complacent, you know, because most accidents happen near your home or whatever. And so you're, I'm going to move then. No, no. Your home will go with you. you know, but you know, so you, you, you make decisions. You know, I'm not going to text and drive. We're never going to do that. Never do that. Nobody in the family is ever going to text and drive. You, know, you start making decisions. You make statements in that way because you're considering death and you're considering the consequences on and on. At a party, you don't make those decisions. You know, fools are abounding at a party. There's no serious thought. It's fun. It's mirth. It's fun time. That, that could be good. Heaven are those things, you know. Heaven is, 
a place of rejoicing, you know, of, of smiles, of happiness, a, a place of fun, a place of celebration, you know, a place I look forward and long to go, you know, I want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven, a place where death will be abolished. Amen. Bring that on. You know, it's like I don't have to think about it anymore. It's going to be a place where we're not even worried about death. We're not going to sit and think about it. So Solomon's not talking about that. We're talking about heaven. We have all that. You know, tears will cease, we're told. Uh, <clears throat> at least mournful ones. He'll wipe away the tears that we're mourning. There'll be no more sorrow. It'll be a place of true joy. I'm sure we'll have tears of joy. I'm sure we'll have tears of gratitude. When we see our Savior and we see our loved ones, we'll have tears of wonder and, and tears of what's going on when we hear the testimony. I like that movie kind of ended last night. It talked about the scarlet thread and who knows how God is weaving all these things together. <clears throat> that was an emotional movie. You know? It brought you to think about things. Can you imagine when we're standing there and we're for real and someone comes up to you and says, remember that time you did this and that affected them and because of that I am here? You know, and because of what you said here and how you did that and when you, when you left that track at a gas pump or when you helped out the Lord's locker, when you, when you did this or you did that or you, however you helped to the church, all those things that, that God would then magnify that and say, see that scarlet thread that affected? Sure, a movie concentrated it and put it all in one spot, but that's real. Your life, what you're saying, the text, the post on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, when we say those verses, when we encourage that, we send that movie or we have that link up or we tell people there's something going on today or going on, all those things to make people consider. You know, they symbolize it with a cross in their hand that they can look at, but we're pointing them towards Christ and what Christ has done. And that, that, that's going to be a joyful day. You think there won't be tears in heaven that kind? Those are good tears. That's wonderful tears. That's not the tears he's talking about. He's talking about the, the tears that come from death, the enemy and the sorrow. Those tears will be gone. There'll be tears of laughter. You know? Tears where you're crying so hard, your eyes are watering. Like, what? I can't. You know, those will be there. So he's not talking about that. He's talking about under the sun. That's where Solomon's kind of limited. Under the sun, he's saying it's better uh, for you to be sorrowing. It's better for you to be crying. It's better for you to consider because you're going to make wiser decisions. Your life will be better. You'll make smarter decisions if you're thinking about the house of mourning versus the house of feasting. Many fight against it. They try to avoid it. They try to ban it. We're not going to talk about funerals. I'm not going to go to a funeral. I'm not going to go there. We'll send flowers. I'm not showing up. We're just, you know, keep it out of their thought and out of their mind. We're not, we're not going to go to it. I'll send thoughts your way. I'm not going to pray about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to do anything else. That's not helpful. Verse 5 says, <clears throat> It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot... So is the laughter of fools. There is also, this is also vanity. Like music is good and songs are good. and Fun times are good. But the rebuke of the wise is better. And so he's saying, boy, you need to deal with it. There's a, he's making a point, point here of importance. And we miss a little bit. You know, it talks about the, the thorns under a pot there. That, um, was that thorns under a pot or the laughter of a fool? In the original language, it kind of rhymes. And the closest thing we can make to it in, in uh, English would be the, uh, like nettles burning under a kettle. He's kind of making like a, a, a pun under it that way. You know, so is um, you know, the laughter of fools. It's like it's burning up, it's short-lived, it crackles, it makes a lot of noise for a second. But next thing you know, it's died out and it didn't last very long. He's saying, let's make some long-term decisions. Let's think about some long-term things, not an instant moment of frivolity. Uh, here he is the preacher Preacher who is urging you to face your mortality is what he's trying to do. He's trying to get us to consider our mortality and to deal with it. I say, thank God we live when we live. Thank God for 2018. Or I can tell you how to deal with death, how to prepare, 
how to be ready. So that when you come to that time, when you close your eyes, you can say, I'm ready. I'm prepared. Uh, the movie last night, uh, most of us were here, you know, the, the, um, Do You Believe? You know, talked about there were some that were prepared and ready. And there's some that weren't, you know, and, and, and dealing with it. Are we prepared? So I can tell you how to prepare. You're to know that you will die. Don't fool yourself. Don't think that, oh, it's not going to happen to me. I'm going to get out of it. Now, we do have, as Christians, you know, the, the hope of the rapture, you know, that maybe we can avoid it in that way. But uh, chances are uh, death is going to come. The Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die, Ezekiel 18. So we have to look, have I sinned? And if I've sinned, then the answer is, yep, you will die. The Ten Commandments shows us our sin, lying, disobedience, lust, coveting, rebellion, which is the sin of witchcraft. All of us are sinners. Bible says, none of us are righteous, no, not one, Romans 3. We need our sins paid for. We need to be forgiven. See, we sin against our Creator, the holy, righteous God of the Bible. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Jewish name, to pay our fine. He took the blows for us. He paid the fine for us. And thinking about this morning, it's like, and I know in this congregation, and I know for who's here this morning, it's something that we know. It's something that you've heard me say. I was trying to be better about always including it. Two reasons. One, one, we need to hear it. Uh, And I want to be, when you get a choice or get a chance to to witness, I want you to hear at least maybe Brian's droning voice in your head saying, how did he do it? What was his cadence? What did he say? And then to be able to pull on that repetition of it. And two is that we do have sermon audio now, which is pretty awesome in that uh, um, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week broadcasting uh, what we put up on there. And so we want to make sure we include the gospel. And I was wanting to talk about what Christ did for us. And the best thing I could think about was written for me by Shai Lin, who is a Christian rapper, uh, not necessarily all of our cup of tea. <clears throat> but I would tell you to consider him. I'm not a fan of rap music, but I listen to him because he makes me think. And he can put a lot in there, and it makes me consider. He talked about Jesus' punishment. He says, this scene is the craziest. Jesus is being treated as if he is the shadiest atheist. How is the Messiah is in this fiery pit as if he was a wretched liar with twisted desires? The one who is sinless and just, being punished as if he is promiscuous and mischievous with vicious lusts? The source of all godly pleasure, tormented as if he was a foul investor or a child molester. How could he be bruised like he was a goody two-shoes who didn't think that she needed the good news? He is perfect in love and wisdom. He is suffering as if he constructed the corrupt justice system. We should mourn at the backdrop. Jesus is torn like he's on the corner with crack rock, with porn on his laptop. His gifts are infinite, but he is hit with licks by righteous hypocrites. Or four righteous hypocrites. He is the light, but he is treated like he is the seedy type who likes to beat his wife. 
He is treated like a rapist or maybe a philanderer, being penalized like he has had sin inside, filled with inner pride while committing genocide. I could write for a billion years and still can't name the sins placed on the lamb slain. But know this, the main thing the cross demonstrated is the glory and the holiness of God vindicated. Shailen from the cross. See, sin has been paid for. All of them. He suffered more than any sinner ever will in hell, the chorus goes on to say. So to say that where was God and what has God done? Where is he in this? He's done everything. He has suffered it all. He has taken it all. He has made a way of escape for all of us if we would but repent of our sins and trust in Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ to save us. The cross is empty. The payment has been made. It's all been done. There's nothing left to do. Jesus Christ has paid it all. And he is our only hope. He is how you prepare. He is the one that you should run to when you're in the house of mourning. He is the one that you should be thinking about when you're at the funeral saying, Christ has made a way. Did they know Christ? I hope they know Christ. Stand up and proclaim Christ. Witness Christ. Talk about Christ. Tell them the only way. Tell them the answer. It is in the name. It is in the man. It is in Jesus Christ. He is how we have salvation. And I hope we've all let him die for us so that we can live for him. It's such a sweet deal that he would take all the punishment, that he would take all the pain so that we could live a life that is pleasing unto him. And I pray that we do so.